you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. And now, move the sticks. The AFC and NFC Championship with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Castrol Edge. DJ Bucky, Rhett back with you. We know who's in the Super Bowl, but Buck, we've got a lot to unpack here on what we saw yesterday in the conference championship games. Unbelievable set of games. Uh, we think I think we saw the four best teams, and we got a chance to see them play at their best. And really, it came down to a handful of plays to determine which teams advance to the Super Bowl and which teams are left on the outside looking in. But a great weekend of football. Handful of plays, Buck, and a handful of situations where contrasting styles at head coach were on display. And I know we're going to dig into that here, I believe, starting with your first takeaway here, Deach. Yeah, I think you're going to see a theme here with these first two takeaways, but we'll start with the first one here, and that is the Bucks' aggressive play 
was rewarded. Fournette, the running back. Eight seconds, seven seconds. Brady to throw. Throws a deep pass downfield. Got Scotty Miller in the open. Makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Scotty Scooter Miller. And Brady puts it right on the spot. Bucks score with no time left or very little in the first half. Yeah, to me, this game really came down to two plays, guys. When you look at that play, that touchdown to Scotty Miller right before the half, uh, where Tampa was ultra aggressive um, to be able to take a shot down there, not trying to put yourself in field goal range, but to anticipate a look you might get, and uh, you get the matchup you want with Scotty Miller on, on King, and, and you can't run with him. So he just runs right by him. Brady puts it on the money, and it was that attacking, you know, the old Bruce Arians, the no risk it, no biscuit, play aggressive in those big games, conservative plays never rewarded and you saw that example and then at the end of the game which you know I think we got to talk about is the fact that they took the ball out of Aaron Rodgers hands uh, inside the 10 yard line fourth down instead of giving him an opportunity to try and get a touchdown get the two-point conversion and and have the game be decided by your best player and the best player in the NFL you took it out of his hands you kicked the field goal and now you're asking your defense to try and keep Tom Brady from getting a couple first downs I just I absolutely hated that decision. You know, DJ, it's funny because you talked about the aggressive play and no risk and no biscuit. And I think that applies to the way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play in general on offense, defense, and special teams. You talked about the offensive play, Tom Brady really taking a shot at the end of the first half to maybe see if they could put a a cheap seven points on the board and it worked. Now, I would say that Kevin King has to know better. Situational (laughs) awareness tells you that at that point of the, the half, you don't want to let the ball fly over your head. Give them five yards. Let them kick a, a field goal. But you can't allow Scotty Miller to run past you and to give up seven points. And so, yes, Bruce Arians was rewarded for his approach. And I think when you look at the way Todd Bowles came after Aaron Rodgers, not necessarily with all pressure, but the way they hugged up, manned up, played two-man, and played very aggressive on all the underneath things, I think it plays to your strategy of no risk it, no biscuit, be aggressive. Yeah, that fits right in, right? Uh, I mean, the, the offensive strategy there late for the uh, for the Bucks at the end of that first half, I mean, kind of matches with their defensive philosophy all year long, and Todd Bowles' philosophy as a head coach was just be aggressive, get after the quarterback, and they did. Those five sacks, I mean, Shaq Barrett with three and Pierre Paul with two, I mean, th- those helped save the game in the second half for the Bucs. I mean, you go back to the second interception that Brady threw, and it was a sack um, that helped end and force a three and out for the, uh, for the Green Bay Packers. Then on the third interception, another sack and a couple of incompletions helped force another third and out. So they saved the offense's bacon and Brady's bacon on those last two interceptions with some pressure and with some timely plays on defense um, and, and just rising to the occasion when they needed it. You know, the other thing I thought was really interesting just to kind of celebrate Brady here a little bit. 43 years old before the season started, he's now making his 10th Super Bowl appearance after playing in his 14th conference championship game. He's got more playoff wins than all three of the Packers Super Bowl quarterbacks in their history combined. Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers. But still, do you remember, I don't know if you guys watched game day morning on Sunday, but Steve Mariucci did an interview with Bruce Arians and asked Bruce if Tom, the GOAT, the greatest player to ever play in the history of the National Football League, is still coachable. He said, yeah, you better believe he's still coachable. He wants to get better every single day. He's asking me every single rep, you know, what'd you see here, what'd you do? 
but I thought it was kind of cool and and that he he mentioned that every day, every practice, Brady and quarterbacks coach Clyde Christensen go through what they call that they go to the driving range and they spend 20 minutes on fundamentals alone. And I'm just thinking, like, if this is the best player in the history of the NFL with that level of attention to detail at that advanced stage in his career, man, that's that's a lesson to be learned there for a lot of kids out there. No doubt. And I, I want to give you a couple stats here, uh, Buck, and then you can get yourself to your next takeaway. But I want to see what you think about this. Uh, Bucks started out 7-5. and five. They're 7-0 and oh since then. And if you look at the numbers during that period of time, uh, wins most, obviously, points most. Uh, the sack margin plus 10 uh, since then with, with Pierre Paul and, and Shaq Barrett's five sacks yesterday added to that total. Uh, points off turnover margin plus 42. Um, you go down here, takeaways per game. They've had 12 takeaways in seven games. Only Washington of the playoff teams uh, was better there. Field goals, 14 out of 15. I mean, literally... Over the last uh, seven weeks here, they're playing better than anybody, and that includes a team they're actually going to play here in the, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, D- DJ, it's, it's, it's phenomenal the way that they've steadily improved. And, Red, I think what you bring out in terms of talking about Tom Brady going to the driving range, yeah. the fact that he spends 20 minutes working on his footwork and fundamentals with a coach each day, I think that then – rubs off on all the other players because it's the greatest of all time can go and is coachable and is willing to spend the extra time working on his game. Who am I to not put the extra time in? And then what you do is you create a culture where you have everybody doing extra. Culture of accountability. Right. And then you get the extraordinary results. And so that's what Tom Brady has brought because, look, the last two weeks in the postseason, he hasn't played at an A-level but his presence and what he has done to really kind of raise the standard in Tampa, I think that matters a lot more than his performance on the field, particularly in the postseason. Uh, Buck, I want to get I want to get this quote here because I want to make sure I get it right because we actually had this up in our in our draft room um, in Baltimore, and it was Tony Larusa. Do you remember that one? When it's it, I'm trying to find the best one here. It says you when uh, when your best player is your best worker with, yeah. you, with the best character. You've really got something special. Now, I'm kind of paraphrasing there because I can't find the exact quote. We had it up in our in our draft room, and it was like, man, when, you're, when you have that, and I, we've all been around guys like that. I mean, Ray Lewis mm-hmm. was the same way just in terms of the work that he put in. It was like, man, if that guy's doing it as good as he is, then what the heck am I – what's my excuse if I'm not going to put in that type of work? And it did. He, one guy changed the entire culture of that whole team. And that's not to say, and that's not to say, guys, that there aren't other quarterbacks out there that are putting that time in with that fundamentals. But it it, it means something different. It plays differently when you're talking about a yeah. guy who has won as much as he has. I mean, like I don't he I, I don't think at this point he's he's ascending player. You know what I mean? If anything, he's descending. Yeah. But still, to continue to fire through that routine and grind through it, um, I, I think in that case, belief. For the Buccaneers in Tom Brady and creating a culture of belief was a tangible thing. We talk about it being one of those intangibles a lot with leadership at the quarterback spot. But I feel like what he brought to that organization and that franchise was a belief in it. And I feel like this postseason and this year, it's been a tangible thing in wins and losses. Red, what you're alluding to is what we call a thermostat leader, meaning when they walk in the room, 
the temperature rises because of how they're able to change it with their presence. That's what Tom Brady was able to do. And so I'm going to get us to the Packers. Okay. And DJ, you pointed, you kind of pointed it out, but I'm going to say this. Scared money (laughs) don't make none. And when you you think about the Packers and you think about everything that went on, they had the number one seed. They've done all these things. They're playing at a remarkable level. Matt LaFleur has been one of the more successful coaches as a young coach in the National Football League. And on this big stage where everything is on you and when coaching really matters, he let them down because he didn't trust his best player to go make a play. And I think the thing that we will see throughout the postseason, particularly in the championship games, the coaches that advance are the ones that put their best players in situations to go get it. They hand them the ball and they say, go win it. Because it's still a stars league. The team with the stars and the stars that play at the highest level, they win. And what Matt LaFleur did is he didn't trust his star player and MVP winner that we think is going to win, the presumed winner. He didn't trust him to go make a play when the game was on the line. And I think that is damning. And that's why the Green Bay Packers weren't rewarded. Yeah, I, I think that's an, that's an interesting point. And um, I'll kind of dig into not necessarily the decision, because, I mean, I, I think that's obviously one of the big turning points here. But but what they did in those situations. So to set the stage for you, we talked about I talked about this uh, on, a, on a couple of our prior episodes. Devontae Adams and last week on the aftermath, DJ, you remember this. Devontae Adams was like the best, one of the best, if not the best, goal line threats in football this year. He caught Mm. nine touchdowns from inside the five this year. He had 15 red zone touchdowns in the league this year, most uh, by far uh, of any receiver. So, you know, like they had these opportunities. They had four goal to go situations in this game and they only came away with touchdowns on half of them. One of them ended up kicking a field goal from the six, from the Tampa Bay six. That was the first half. And then obviously the one we're talking about now um, was the second half, you know, just north of the two-minute warning. They got all the way down to the eight, fourth and goal from the eight, and they decided to kick the field goal. So Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were virtually unstoppable in these situations, in those type of situations all season long. And I'm wondering if – you know, in the situations that they had with this scenario, in a goal-to-go situation, they had they targeted Devontae Adams six times in this game. He caught one of them, and it was the touchdown when they got him singled up, and it was, you know, he was no match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlton Davis was no match for him. But I'm wondering if some of the issues they had down in tight in the red zone played into Matt LaFleur's thinking to kick the field goal there. He's like... Gosh, man, we've you know we've been incomplete five different times looking for Devonte in these situations, including a couple of times on this same drive. You know, maybe I just I don't like my chances at that point to get into the end zone. So I'm gonna you know I'm gonna try to take it. I'm not saying it's the right call, but I'm wondering if that is something that played into his thinking. Yeah, I mean, you say he only had one. I mean, one he just flat out dropped on a back shoulder yeah. fade where he probably had four yards of separation yeah. uh, on, on the throw. So. I don't know. If I wake up and I know that the day before Aaron Rodgers didn't complete a pass on fourth and eight to Devontae Adams and I lost, I'm okay I with have that. my breakfast. Yeah. I have my breakfast <laughs> and I'm, I'm, you know, it is what it is. Look, I'm with you. I, I'm, I not, feeling, 100% I'm not feeling great this morning with the way that went down, Buck. 
No, and, and I'm not. And, and I'm going to say this because, like, Matt LaFleur is going to get crushed. He's been crushed. And I know um, we kind of romanticized the Aaron Rodgers thing. Here's where I say it actually went wayward for the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur. The reason why the Green Bay Packers have really been very successful on offense is because they avoided falling to the trap that the Packers have been falling into they for the balanced. last 10 years. They have been balanced. They have been running the football. And because they were able to run the football, they were able to dictate certain looks and fronts. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lived in two-man coverage against the Packers in the championship game. They didn't drop another safety down. They weren't threatened by the running game. And because they were never threatened by the running game, Todd Bowles never had to change his tactics. And then when we talk about the red zone, not saying that you have to run the ball a ton down in the red zone, but to throw it over and over and over again into the end zone against coverage, it made it very easy for Todd Bowles to dial up a defense in those critical situations. And so I think when Matt LaFleur looks at the call sheet and he goes back, he probably says, we probably don't need to throw it 50 plus times because our tackles aren't good enough to protect in those situations. We need to run it more because much like the Rams and those other teams, they're built to play a certain way. And even though your quarterback is one of the best to ever play it, you can't put that much on him to carry you for four quarters. Yeah, I agree. Let, let's let's put a bow on this whole game and, and this whole discussion here because I do want to have a little public service announcement as we wrap this up. Um, please do not send uh, your resumes to produce the Move the Sticks podcast. I know a lot of you assume based off yesterday that Nabil – uh, would be in a depression. He would be back in Wisconsin, you know, in a basement, um, not shaved for, for maybe a couple years. Uh, but it, it sounds as if Nabil is going to stay on board. Um, he's gonna he's gonna suck it up a little bit. He's gonna you yep. know, take off those uh, Packer pajamas, put on his uh, his jeans, and uh, put that <laughs> that hair gel in, and we're gonna live and we're gonna survive. So uh, we we just wanted to give you guys a heads up there. We do not currently have an opening. Uh, as a producer for the Move the Sticks <laughs> podcast. Just want to put that out there. All right, let's keep it going here with the third takeaway. And again, uh, only five takeaways today because we only had two, we only had two games. So we're going to have five takeaways. The fourth one you're going to want to stick around for because that's going to really be special here uh, when Rhett joins the party. Uh, but let me get to number three here. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, they're no longer bored. Going to throw a slant, caught, 35-yard line. Juke move, Tyreek Hill, 45, 50-yard line, cuts it back, look out, 40, 35, 30, Cheetah at full speed, 10 to the 5-yard line. You play impress, the Cheetah will run you all the way around the earth. It's a 71-yard pass play to the Cheetah on a quick slant. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch Holt is getting after it on that call right there. He's got a lot of experience calling big plays, though, yeah. uh, since Patrick Mahomes showed up with Tyreek Hill and with Kelsey and what they've been able to do. Uh, but I feel like we've been uh, we've been discussing this for a while with this Chiefs team that they just I mean it's crazy they can almost go through the motions and and win as many games as they did. I mean it's it's insane the way, what they've been able to accomplish when they don't even look like they're interested. Um, even in this game, I've, they're down nine nothing, and it's like there's no. You're watching the game going, oh, this is not, this is not going to matter. I mean, they're going to close this thing <laughs> right back up, and it, it just happened in an instant, and then they just take off and go. And you know, Red, I'll get to you on this one. I just haven't seen so much of this Chiefs team over the last couple of years. If you can't get home with your four, if you don't have a dominant front four, you have less than no chance against this team. 
Yeah. And I think uh, I think we we kind of we've seen that with the Bills. Now, Jerry Hughes has provided some pass rush to the Bills, you know, on many occasions. It, it didn't seem to happen tonight. And like, let's think about it or last night, rather think about the fact that they're they were playing without Mitchell Schwartz. Um, you know, Eric Fisher goes down late in this game, but they had you know, a variety of backups along that Chiefs offensive line. And still the Bills weren't able to generate that pressure. But, you know, this game essentially was Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey outside of Mahomes are better than any strategy you have in any player you have defensively. Like that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to, right? In a game of matchups, like you had no one that can match up with Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying that many people do. That's not an indictment on the bills. Um, And you don't have anyone that can match up with Travis Kelsey. And like, they both went off in this game. Like, you know, for once, you know, I, I feel like we see Patrick Mahomes spread the ball out, you know, like quite a bit. We'll get the running backs involved a little bit. Um, you know, we'll get the Pringles of the world, the Robinsons of the world. Hardman, you know, had the touchdown, but that was such a quick pass. It, it, it almost it almost didn't even really count. But I mean, like he was targeting Tyreek Hill and targeting Travis Kelsey relentlessly in this game. And, you know, that was the other mismatch. One, the Bills couldn't get home. Two, they have no cover for those guys. And it's a recipe for disaster. Um, <laughs> and, and like I'm wondering now. When you look at these two head coaches that we're going to have, you know, go toe to toe in this Super Bowl, you had two of the most aggressive coaches, both in style and in play calling in the entire league. And does that say something about philosophy? Uh, Brett, I actually think it does. I think it does say a lot about philosophy. And here's what I'm going to say about Andy Reid. Andy Reid, to me, is masterful. And I think he's figured it out in a couple of different ways. This game is about players and plays. And when I mean that, I mean it is about getting your best players to be the primary weapons on your main plays so they get the ball more than you can defend it. And he makes it very, very simple. This game is about 15, 10, and 87. That's it. The other pieces are complementary pieces. And when I throw this analogy out that the Kansas City Chiefs are really the Golden State Warriors, I I really believe it because, to me, when I look at them, Patrick Mahomes is Steph Curry, a talented player with outstanding skills. He has Tyreek Hill, who's just running around hitting shots like he's Kevin Durant. And then Travis Kelsey is sitting in the corner like Klay Thompson. And, I mean, if you want to say Draymond Green or whatever, like maybe Chris Jones is Draymond Green. But this team, when they're bored, it is like, oh, okay, that's cute. The Buffalo Bills are up 9-0. Let's just hit a couple of threes and we're right back. And let's go on a 38-0 run or whatever it is that they do. <laughs> they are just a remarkable team. And I don't know, man. Like, I know we talked about this dynasty, but I think for the first time in a long time, I'm actually believing they are a dynasty. They're going to be in this conversation for a long time as long as they have those guys and Andy Reid. Yeah, you talk about prioritizing. I think of... You know, when you're young and you've got some, you've got kids and you go out to dinner and you've kind of roughly budgeted like, man, we're going to go nice. And this is a hundred dollar budget for dinner. And then you're the first kid orders and orders a $30 steak. And the next kid orders some shrimp or and it that cost. And I'm sitting here going like, I have a salad and a, and a water, please. Uh, like literally you make sure that Tyreek gets his steak. You make sure that, yeah. that Kelsey gets his fish. And then the rest of you guys, it's a soup and salad type of a dinner here. That's what we're facing. That is an interesting analogy. 
uh, for sure. <laughs> but, 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 but really, it is, and I'll throw this out to both of you guys. Think about all the teams in the National Football League that have star players, right? And think about, we're just talking about Devontae Adams and the Green Bay Packers, and the fact that Devontae Adams had six targets. How many targets do you think he would have had if Andy Reid was in charge yeah. of that team in that offense? He would make sure that Devontae Adams, he is leaving with no less than 10 targets, and we probably would have seen him get the ball at least 15 times thrown in his direction. It is not really that yeah. hard, but Andy Reid has figured it out. I'm going to get it to my best players, and over time, my best players are better than yours, and they're going to make more plays. We talk about that with Odell Beckham with the Browns. We've talked about it when he was with the Giants. We talked about a Saquon Barkley with the Giants. Like, how do you get your, you know, your best players the ball consistently? Andy Reid has it figured out. Should I get us to the fourth and final game takeaway? Well, I don't, I don't really have – just pretend I'm doing a drum <laughs> over here right now, okay. right? and then we can, uh, we can go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Field goals don't actually beat the Chiefs. Believe it or not, it does. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Write that down. That was our building? We we waited waited 30 minutes. We waited 30 minutes for that. The simplest answer is the right answer. We bat you in cleanup, and you're choking and poking, trying to just hit a flare out to right field. I mean, what in the world? And I'm still getting oh somebody home. Oh, my gosh. You know, because that, that's, that's essentially what happens here. So let me just run through this scenario, okay? So just stick with me here. First drive of the game, you get down to the Chiefs' 33-yard line, okay? You're well into Chiefs' territory. You got a second and a third and three, and you fall incomplete on both of those two passes. Two chances to get three yards. Okay, you don't get it done. Would you have considered going for it on fourth and three there? You got a kicker and kick a 51. Against this team? You better believe it. Better believe it. Now you got a kicker and kick a 51-yarder. It's the first drive of the game. That one, I'm like, you know, okay. But you have a chance to set a tone there too, right? Uh, Set a tone like, hey, we're going to go. We're all in. Like, what what does coming up second place in the AFC Championship game actually get us moving forward? Absolutely nothing. Um, I, I get it. I get it. They end up, you know, they get the field goal. They're on the board three nothing. Got the hardened fumble. You go up nine nothing. Great. You know, like here, all right. You've capitalized on a, on a mistake by the Chiefs. You're up nine nothing. Then you watch the Chiefs score three straight touchdowns in the second quarter on three straight possessions in the like literal blink of an eye, and now they're up twenty one to nine. So you're like, okay, if we were thinking that like field goals, you know, we, you know, we were going to play this thing conservatively, try to. Stay, that's out the window at this point, right? It's 21 and they've scored on three straight possessions. But you answer with a terrific drive. You go 12 plays, 73 yards, and you got a third and four from the from the four. You get two yards. You've now got a fourth and goal from the two. And you're going field goal again? You can't. You can't. Against this team? You're going you field goal? Yeah. Like every time, every time I'm sitting there, I'm like – in which scenario, in what scenario in this game that you could possibly think of, do you have more confidence in your defense against Patrick Mahomes than you do in Josh Allen against the Chiefs defense? I can't yeah. come up with one. I can't come up with a scenario. And look, I, I get it from a game management perspective, and you're trying to stay in the game. You hope maybe another couple of mistakes, man, but like, you know. Wish in one hand, do the other thing in the other and see which goes up first. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things. But like, so like, and it comes down and it happens again in the second half, right? The Chiefs 
you got a field goal to start the second half. That's great. Like, you, you know, you, don't, you keep them off the board uh, from scoring six. And, again, you put another terrific drive together. You get down 10 plays, 67 yards, down to the Kansas City, eight. You got a second and four. You get a yard. Third and three, incomplete. So you got a fourth and three from the eight. You still have an opportunity to get a first down. It's not even a goal to go. And another field goal. And at that point, like, I, you know, it, it felt like it was over. You know, and and it wasn't yet. But um, and this is let, let me just finish it by saying I think Sean McDermott is a great coach. I think he's done a phenomenal job with the Buffalo Bills. They are putting together something special there. And I loved what he said after the game that like we need to focus this offseason on how to beat the Chiefs. They are right. And kicking field goals is game management correction number one. That will not work against this team. Okay, so hold on. Let me take no, – I'm, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate yeah. and Sean McDermott because I, I'm going to say this reminded me – when I was a kid, I got a chance to see Bonecrusher Smith fight Mike Tyson. Bonecrusher Smith <laughs> is from North Carolina. Bonecrusher Smith was one of the first guys to go 12 rounds with mighty Mike Tyson, right? And the entire fight – he never could threaten Mike Tyson, but the whole objective was to be able to take him 12 rounds. And so he did, and he was the first one. And so I feel like the Buffalo Bills, I think when you're a coach, you're able to look across the field, and you know that that other team has more talent and more explosiveness than you do. And the only thing that Sean McDermott could really hope was, let's see if I can keep this close enough where somehow they unravel and they give us a chance. Because as much as we talk about the Buffalo Bills being aggressive and the like, the one thing that would have happened if they go down and they don't score, do we really believe that Buffalo would have been able to slow Kansas City down? And I think he was trying to prevent his team from getting knocked out in the first half as opposed to let's see if we can get it to the fourth quarter and find a way to win. I don't fault him for the tactic because I felt like he went to the gunfight with a butter knife, and I think he knew that he just didn't have enough to deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. But hold on one second. Let me just ask this one question, because I, I am not a boxing ex- expert, but I did play Mike Tyson's punch-up. Um, if you get knocked down three times in a round, what do they call that? <laughs> a t- it's a TKO, right? Isn't it a TKO? Yeah, yeah, it's a go. technical knockout. If you, kick, if you try yeah. to kick three field goals against the Chiefs, you are tko It's over. You're out because they're scoring more than yeah. 10 points. I, I'm just sitting there hearing the word close and thinking of the old horseshoes and hand grenades. Like, that's, <laughs> that's great. You know, no thanks. Uh, close enough to do it for me. Know, I and and I, I, sit there, I sit there and I think, you know, I know Doug Peterson came under a lot of uh, criticism for what happened at the end of the season and how he handled that game. But let's go back to him on a big stage against a team that had, what, 600 yards of offense with that New England yeah. Patriots team. And they're out there running Philly special, going for it on all these fourth downs. Like, that's how yeah. you play those games. It's been proven over and over and over again. Being aggressive is often rewarded, and, and being conservative never is. It just isn't. It's not how it works when you get into the postseason. You have to be aggressive. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Uh, but to be able to go home on the plane ride and go, guys, hey, man, we're, we're, we're kind of close. Yeah, that's great, man. We get uh, You don't get anything for that. So to me, I'm, I'm going for it. It doesn't matter. You lose, you lose. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empty the chamber and see if I take my shots, and then I'll live with the consequences. So, you know, DJ, I think yeah. – uh, well, I would say I think you bring up a point, though. Like when, Red, you brought up Sean McDermott saying their entire focus has to be on beating the Chiefs. I think the one thing that stood out in their game, speed, speed, speed from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think we talk about Buffalo being a great team, and they are a great team. 
but the speed of the Chiefs is breathtaking and overwhelming. The one thing that Buffalo has to do, they have to get faster if they want to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're picking at 30. And I mean, we're going to be talking about it all, you know, for the next three months and especially, you know, this next week when you guys are talking senior bowl here. But I mean, like I'm thinking edge rusher corner, edge rusher safety, like you got to find a way to you got to find a way to deal with the speed of the receivers and you got to find a way to get up to the passer. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Um, you're no. I mean, next week though, Rhett, you're you're moving down the order. I mean, I don't know how many takeaways we're going to do next week, but I mean, I can't bat you four when I get bills are the same. I know. After all these creative taglines all year Rhett. long, and that's what I get out of you. I, I know, Red. We put you in the four hole. You decide you want to be Ichiro. Like if you're going to bat four, if you're going to bat Ichiro four, like, I need I need you to be a big bomber. I don't need you to be slapped. I mean, I mean, the, the, the opposite I mean, the field is his takeaway was about being too conservative, and yet his actual takeaway was too conservative. I well, mean, how it's am like, I supposed to be risky with geez. a conservative takeaway? It's like a, it's like an oxymoron. I don't know. I was struggling no, with it. I mean, you 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 dominate alliteration for a whole season, only to get into the postseason. Finally, some respect. Thank the you. Same. Finally, some respect. I mean, um, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Wow. Oh well. All right. Uh, anyways. A for effort, which is, is, is being close to good, which, you know, as Bucky just said, is, uh, you know, that's exciting. You know, that's, how you, that's how you're the runner-up in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> All right, Bucks, time for Be Prepared, presented by Castrol Edge. We, we know the teams now. We, we've got the Super Bowl matchup in front of us. So as we kind of recap the games that we just saw, let's look ahead a little bit here. Super Bowl, we've got the Tampa Bay Bucks. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs. I give you the floor to go wherever you want to go on this one. Well, let's let's talk about the champs first. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, DJ, I, I think your words rang true that you've been talking about the entire season. We saw that when the Kansas City Chiefs needed to summon up their superpowers, they took their game up a notch. They've been bored throughout the regular season, and they just kind of were playing with teams and toy with them. They kind of remind me of the cat playing with, like, the little ball of gone. <laughs> it's kind of knocking it around and playing it. And then when we saw them play the Buffalo Bills, who many people were saying were the best team in football, we saw them turn their game up a notch. I think now that they're in the Super Bowl, I think we will see them at their best. And them at their best is really easy. Think players, not plays. The ball is going to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and they're going to test your ability to cover them because they're going to move them all around the chessboard but the ball is going to number 10 and number 87. And if you can't stop those two guys, you have no chance of stopping the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I flip it over to the other side of the ball, and I look at that Chiefs defense. And to me, Chris Jones, who's is, when he wants to play, he's unblockable inside. I think this Tampa interior offense line is very good. It's a good group. But they're going to be challenged by Chris Jones up front. And I think, you know, when you look at some of the matchups there, you look at Mike Evans, the size, the physicality. You've got Legereus Sneed, the young rookie who mm-hmm. was – man has played light out this year who's got some size and length to him that's going to be a fun matchup vet versus a rookie and you've got Tyron Matthew who can kind of be the eraser right you can drop him down if they start running the ball pretty well you can deploy him down the box Um, if you need to bracket people he can do that as well so those are kind of the two chess pieces I think for the Chiefs in this game defensively uh, that if you're Bruce Arians and Tom Brady you better be aware where those two guys are you know, I, th- I think those guys are really important. They're really important to the fabric. And then you think about the other guys that kind of play around it. I will say this. I love what they have in Juan Thornhill and Tyron yeah. Matthew. Their ability to just kind of be the yin and yang in the back end. They give you 
so many different looks and they're playmakers and Steve Spagnuolo has done really a great job of kind of putting him in position to make plays. I think as Tom Brady's thinking about all of the stuff that he has to deal with Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Snead and all the guys on the outside, he has to also worry about the middle of the field because everyone knows to stop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have to defend the middle of the field and the Kansas City Chiefs are well positioned to be able to defend them. All right, think about this. This is one of my favorite storylines of this draft. Um, remember Rocky Four? Remember uh, Rocky training in the mountains? Remember when he yeah. gets up at the top of the mountains and goes, Drago! <laughs> this time, it's Tom Brady, and he's going, Spagnolo! <laughs> he gets his rematch. Tom gets his chance to try and have some Third revenge time. here on Third Steve time. Spagnolo. Here we yeah. go. You know, I, I think this is interesting for Tom Brady because when we really dig into how he played in the championship game, he didn't have his best game. And the connection between he and Mike Evans, he and Chris Godwin, for whatever reason, it hasn't been as airtight as you would like to see. And I would give Tom Brady a ton of credit. He trusts his wide receivers. In this game against Kansas City, those guys are going to have to repay the favor. They have to make some big-time plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get over the top. Tom Brady's not going to be perfect as an older quarterback. Those guys are going to have to really expand the strike zone, make some of these 50-50 catches, because if they don't, Tom Brady's not going to be able to play perfect enough for 60 minutes to knock off Pat Mahomes and his crew. I'm going to give you my X factor for the for the Bucs in this game. I actually think it's Ronald Jones. Uh, to me, yeah. Ronald Jones. Yes. The thing about the Super Bowl, right, you're going to have fresh legs guys get a chance to rest mm-hmm. up so speed plays to me when you get fresh legs speed plays we already talked about Tyree Kill what he can do we know mm-hmm. his speed but I think Ronald Jones he coming off a little bit of an injury now get a chance to really rest up and get healthy for the Super Bowl he's somebody that he can turn five and seven yard runs into 50 and 60 yard runs yeah I think Rojo I, I, I like to use them together Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette that combination has really emerged in the playoffs and we've seen Leonard Fournette be a guy that can really give him consistency on the ground, that physicality and toughness is going to be important because this has to be a game where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play a little more keep away than they would like to. Instead of going up and down the floor with them, they want to walk the ball up, play a little half-court basketball, (laughs) slow this game down, and give Tom Brady a chance to win it in the fourth quarter. This has to be one where the running game and the running backs play a role uh, in this game plan. Yeah, these teams met in week 12. I'm looking forward to going back and watching that tape again. Uh, that was a game. Chiefs beat the Bucks 27-24. to 24, A little comeback there by the Bucks late uh, near the end of the game. DJ, in that game, remember, Tyreek Hill went absolutely crazy in mm. the first quarter. He finished the game with over 200 receiving yards. Oh, that's yards, right. I forgot that was that game. They could not slow them down. And when you think about how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have gone about doing their business, they bring pressure. They leave you lined up in one-on-ones, and they believe their guys can get it done. In that game, there were no match for Tyreek Hill's speed. What does Todd Bowles do in the rematch? Does he change, or does he stick to what has gotten him to the Super Bowl? That, to me, is the fascinating discussion that we'll continue to have as we get closer to the Super Bowl. Oh, you've got some beat-up tackles there for the Kansas City Chiefs, and we saw that pass rush with Shaq mm-hmm. Barrett and JPP get loose a little bit against the Packers. Uh, that'll be big. I mean, I got JPP on one side, Spagnolo on the other. We've got the Giants, the Patriots, the I mean, the Brady connections. It's uh, it's going to be fun, man. You got also you've got the Andy Reid who lost the Super Bowl to Tom Brady previously. I mean, there's storylines all over the place in this game. 
I mean, there's storylines all over. And I think I want to say Ty Bowles worked for Andy Reid at some yeah, point. Yeah, he did. I was there with him. I was in with Philadelphia. Him. So he, he knows he knows Andy Reid well. And so I think this is going to be one of the great Super Bowls that we get a chance to see. So many compelling storylines. And also, we always talk about styles making fights. Uh, offensively, the Chiefs going against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, to me, is something that is very, very fascinating. Crazy to me that uh, Patrick Mahomes was in kindergarten when Brady played in his first Super Bowl. That is insane. Think about it. that's nuts. It, it, it's, it's it's nuts. Absolutely, it's gonna be fun. it's gonna be fun again. Lots to look at here. Uh, but that was be prepared. Presented by Castrol Edge. All right, Buck, this is a fun show, man. Uh, again, I think it's one of the best weekends of the year when you get a chance to see these championship games. And I couldn't, I couldn't pick a better matchup. And we just went through it of what we're looking forward to here in the Super Bowl. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but there's some other things going on in the football world that we're going to be involved with coming up here this next week. Yeah, look, this big week, Senior Bowl week. So we get a chance to see the next generation of stars on the field. We get a chance to watch them in practice so they can tune in and watch the practice shows and all the things that we're going to be doing on NFL Network. You can listen into the podcast to hear us recap some of the things that we're seeing. And then finally, you can watch the game on Saturday on our network. You can tune in and see these stars actually getting it done in a game atmosphere. Yeah, we're going to have you covered uh, through the week. Practices again, NFL Network, the game on NFL Network, and, and be on the lookout for the podcast because we will have a bunch of uh, recaps Coming your way, probably get our buddy Lance Zerline to jump in and, uh, and join us a little bit on that as well. Um, but it's going to be fun. Again, last year, Justin Herbert, think about the uh, impact he had in the National Football League as a rookie. We saw him do his thing in that game last year. It's a good roster this year. And again, uh, it's the last time we're going to chance to see these guys on the grass. And some of the players playing this game had opted out. So we haven't seen them in over a year. Uh, so it's it's going to be a fun week. Looking forward to it. I hope you guys will hang out with us as we cover the Reese's Senior Bowl. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for hanging. Uh, we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks, presented by Castrol Edge. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.